0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi ar-Rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sohbihi ajma'een amma bad. My dear brothers and sisters, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to another class of Ash-Shamal al-Muhammadiyah. This is class number 8. And in today's class, inshallah, we will be continuing with the worship of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam and also proceeding into the duha prayer that the Prophet sallallahu used to pray. So those of you that are following along, we are on hadith number 275. Hadith number 275 under the chapter of the worship of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam. So Hadhaif ibn al anhu narrated, I prayed with the Prophet Sallallahu wherein he commenced the prayer with the following statement, Allahu Akbar Dhul Malakut Wal Jabarut Then he recited Surat Al-Baqarah and proceeded to bow. The length of the bowing was as long as the standing posture, during which he repeatedly said Subhana Al-Azim. Then he raised his torso and the length of his standing was like that of his bowing during which he repeatedly said, Li Rabbi al Hamd." Then he prostrated, and the length of his prostration was similar to his standing. During which he repeatedly said, Subhana Rabbi al A'la." Then he raised himself from prostration. The length of sitting of that sitting posture was similar to the prostration during which he said, "Rabbil He prayed each unit in the same manner, and in that prayer he recited Surat Al Baqarah, Al Imran, and Nisa and Al-Ma'idah or An'am, the uh, narrator did not remember what he narrated from Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. So now you look at the night prayer of the Prophet Sallallahu and one of the things we've been highlighting is quality over quantity, quality over quantity. And that is what the focus should always be. And you look at this particular prayer of the Prophet Sallallahu and you see just that, and you see just that, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi is uh, praying a very quality-focused prayer. So let's start off with something unique and interesting. We all know some of the various ad'iyah or the du'as of iftitah of the salah. So you have subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa tabarak wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. And this is the most common uh, opening supplication that is reported in the books of fiqh, particularly in the Hanafi Madhab and in the Hanbali Madhab as well. Then you have another narration that is narrated from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khataiya kama ba'adta bayna al-mashriqya wal-maghrib. Allahumma ba'id, Allahumma naqni min khataiya kama yinaka thob al-abidu min al-danas. Allahumma sili min khataiya bi thalji wal-mai bard So this was all reported from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as the opening adayah for salah. But here we have something new, and this is only been reported to the best of my knowledge in the nawafil prayers of the prophet sallallahu he did not use this opening dua for any other prayer to the best of my knowledge other than for the nawafil ones and this is to say allahu akbar zulmalakut wal jabarut wal so that here the messenger of allah sallallahu started with this as his dua iftitah meaning his opening um, dua then after reciting surah al fatiha in the first rak'ah he recites Surat al-Baqarah. And that is how long the first rak'ah was. He recited all of Surat Al-Baqarah. And I want you to imagine how long that would take. Even if someone recites at a very fast pace, you're looking at about, you know, two and a half to three hours, I would say. About two and a half to three hours. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite very slowly, so much so that after every ayah, he is pausing. So you can imagine, you know, it is a, a very long prayer. And then his ruku' was just as long as his standing. And then while he is standing, after from ruku', that is just as long as his ruku' was. And his sajda was just as long. So it is a very quality-focused prayer. And what's also interesting is that the Prophet Sallallahu shows us that these statements that we make in Salah, like Subhana Rabbi Al-Azeem and Subhana Rabbi al aala and uh, Rabbana Walaka Al-Hamd, uh, and here, the Prophet, we see him saying, Wali rabbi alhamd, right? He was saying, Li uh, rabbi And he kept repeating that statement as he stood up. So, this shows us that one is the minimum, three is the normal recommended amount, but you can go up to any number that you like. You can go up to any number that you like, and the scholars recommend it going up till an odd number. Going up till an odd number. And this is just rak'ah number one. In the rakah number two, he's reciting Surah Al-Imran. So it's slightly shorter. And then uh, he makes his salam, and then he starts the third rakah, Surat Nisa. And then in the fourth rakah, um, we don't know if the Prophet Sallallahu read Al-Ma'idah uh, or uh, Surah al or Surah Al-An'am. We don't know which one he read because the narrator forgot at that time. So this shows us the length of the prayer of the Prophet Sallallahu Hadith 276. Aisha radiallahu anha narrated, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa stood in a complete night's prayer reciting one ayah of the Qur'an. He prayed the whole night with one ayah. So in the previous hadith, we see that the Prophet sallallahu is reciting many ayat per rakah. So Surah al-Baqarah is 286 ayahs just in the first rakah. But here the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam prayed a whole entire salah a whole entire Salah with just one Ayah, with just one Ayah. Now, what was that Ayah? It was Ayah 118 in Suratul Ma'ida, maidah where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is quoting what Isa salam will say to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, which is that, Oh Allah, if you were to punish them, then indeed they are your servants. But if you are to forgive them, then surely you are Al-Aziz and Al-Hakim. And the Prophet kept repeating this one ayah over and over as tears were coming down his eyes, as tears were coming down his eyes. And subhanAllah reflect on this ayah. What do you think the Prophet felt and thought about and contemplated as he is reciting this ayah? That O Allah, if you were to punish them, they are your slaves, but if you were to forgive them, you are Al Aziz and Al Hakim, the mighty and the wise. What was the Prophet thinking about? And you can imagine that there's a lot going on emotionally for the Prophet, because perhaps he's thinking about the plight of the Quraysh. That if they were Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was to punish them, and some of them are his closest relatives, people he's known for the longest period of time, then they are the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the servant is to be used and utilized as the Master pleases. Yet if he chooses to forgive them, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the mighty and the wise or perhaps he's thinking about the sinful Muslims, or perhaps he's even viewing himself in such a situation that perhaps have I fallen short, meaning Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he feels this burden upon himself that what if I am worthy of the punishment of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala? So you can imagine this intense emotional moment that prolongs itself for a whole Salah, a whole entire Salah with just one Ayah. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam kept reciting it and tears kept coming down his eyes. And the scholars said over here that this shows us the permissibility of reciting just one ayah after Surah Al-Fatiha. This shows us the permissibility of reciting just one ayah after Surah fatiha I wanna share with you now what Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah he says. He says, if people knew the benefits of contemplating the Quran, they would busy themselves with it and leave everything else. A person should recite to the Quran with contemplation. And if he comes across an ayah that touches his heart, repeat it 100 times or even the whole night to attain its benefit. So Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he's saying that if people knew the virtue of contemplating the Qur'an, they would leave everything else, meaning it is one of the best uh, acts of ibadah that you can do. And if you come across an ayah of the Qur'an that touches you, then keep repeating that ayah 100 times or even the whole night, meaning as long as you possibly can to attain the maximum amount of benefit. And this shows us that the Qur'an requires contemplation You need to understand it and contemplate it and only then will you be able to extract the deeper meanings of the Qur'an and what it means to you and what it means to your life. And subhanallah, this is something beautiful about the Qur'an that yes, we have the concept of tafsir, which is an explanation of the Qur'an in terms of its rulings, regulations, um, and the unknown, right? Or that that requires explanation. But then we have tadabbur. And tadabbur is your personal interaction with the verses of the Qur'an. And this is what the Prophet Sallallahu is having over here. He is having a moment of tadabbur, which is a moment of reflection on this verse. And thus Ibn al-Qayyim says that if you, you should recite it a hundred times or even the whole entire night to maximize its benefit, meaning that you keep coming back to it. The recitation of an ayah with contemplation and understanding is better than, recitation, than reciting the whole Qur'an without understanding and contemplating. Allahu Akbar. Let us repeat that. To recite one ayah of the Qur'an with understanding and contemplation is better than reciting the whole entire Qur'an without understanding or contemplating it. And reciting the whole entire Qur'an without understanding or contemplating it. It is certainly more beneficial to the heart and increases one's iman in uh, in it. Furthermore, it lets the person taste the sweetness of the Qur'an This was the habit of the Salaf who used to repeat one ayah until the time of Fajr. Meaning that yes, this was done by the Prophet ﷺ, but it was also done by many of the other predecessors, by many of the predecessors that they found one ayah that resonated with them and they repeated it and they contemplated it until the time of Fajr. And this shows us the virtue of understanding the Qur'an and contemplating the Qur'an rather than just reading the Qur'an. So again, quality over quantity. As you can see, this is a recurring theme over here. Hadith 277, Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu narrated, once at night I prayed in the congregation with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, wherein he stood for such a long time that I intended to do a bad deed. Someone asked, what did you intend to do? Allahu Akbar. Now he's praying so long with the Prophet وسلم, he intended to do a bad deed. When you think of a bad deed, what comes to your mind? What do you think of when someone says, I was about to do a bad deed? What could it have been? And Allahu Akbar, this shows us the level of righteousness of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, particularly the elite of the Sahaba, that this Sahabi is saying that I intended to do a bad deed. What could it have been? What do you think it was? He goes on to say, someone asked, what did you intend to do? He replied, I was about to sit down and leave the Prophet standing alone. I was about to sit down and leave the Prophet standing alone. That was the bad deed that he was going to do. It wasn't a lie, it wasn't murder, it wasn't you know dealing with riba, no. It was the fact that he considered sitting down while he's praying with the Prophet because the Salah is so long, because the Salah is so long. And Allahu Akbar This shows the, the virtue of the Sahaba عنه, that a bad deed to them was to leave the Prophet وسلم, the best worshipper of Allah that humanity has ever known, to continue standing by himself and for Abdullah ibn anhu to sit down. And this shows us again how long the night prayer of the Prophet was, that even young companions, the likes of Abdullah ibn Masud he would get tired and the Prophet would still continue going. Hadith 279, Aisha radiallahu anha, no sorry, Hadith 278 is the same uh, with a different chain of narration. Hadith 279, Aisha radiallahu anha narrated, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa prayed in a sitting posture until about 30 or 40 ayat were remaining. At this point he stood up and completed them standing. He then bowed and prostrated. He would, subse- he would subsequently do the same in the second ayah. So we learn from this that as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa got older, Standing, the long night prayers became difficult for him. So the Prophet ﷺ would start the salah sitting down, then he would stand up and recite some more, and then make his ruku' and make his sajda, and then for the second rak'ah, he would remain sitting down, and then after a few ayahs or so remaining, then he would stand up and do his ruku' and his sajda. So this shows us that for the nawafil and the sunnah, prayers the non-fardh obligatory prayers it is permissible to pray sitting down it is permissible to pray sitting down but understand that the reward of those prayers is half understand the reward of those prayers is half if you pray your sunnah and nawafil prayer sitting down the reward is half whereas if you pray standing then you get the complete reward you get the complete reward number two it also shows us the permissibility of changing your position. Where the Prophet Sallallahu he would start the salah sitting down, but then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would stand up. And at other times you see that he was standing up, but then he would sit down. So you are allowed changing between the positions. So if a person gets tired in his nawafil or sunnah prayers, you are allowed to sit down and change your position. And this is perfectly fine. However, the Prophet Sallallahu only did this when he got old. He only did this when he got old. Hadith number 280, Abdullah bin al-Shaqiq asked Aisha radiallahu anha about the prayer of the Messenger of Allah. sallallahu She said he used to pray lengthy periods of the night while standing and lengthy periods of the night while sitting. If he prayed standing, he would bow and prostrate while standing. And if he prayed while sitting, he would bow and prostrate from that sitting position. So this shows us that you are even allowed to pray the whole entire prayer sitting. So your Sunnah and prayers, you are allowed to pray sitting. Now, one thing that I mentioned just a little while ago is that if you pray while standing, you get the complete reward. But if you pray while sitting, you get half of the reward. And if you um, pray while laying down, you get a, a quarter of the reward, which is even half of that sitting. This applies to the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but this didn't apply to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi This didn't apply to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi We have an authentic hadith reported that when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was asked about this, he said, yes, it is so, but I'm not like any of you. But I'm not like any of you. So we see that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi got full reward for his salah even while sitting down. He got full reward for his salah even while sitting down. The wife hadith 281 the wife of the Prophet وسلم, Hafsa عنها, narrated the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu prayed voluntary prayers while sitting. He would recite with slow distinct and clear intonation such that the surah became longer than a surah that was actually lengthier. So we know that the Prophet Sallallahu as he got older and as he got closer to his sickness from which he passed away from Sallallahu the Prophet Sallallahu used to pray sitting. But what we're seeing in this is that when he prayed sitting, he would actually recite slower. And it would be so slow and so enunciated that it would actually become longer than a surah that had more verses in it. It would actually become longer than a surah that has more verses in it. And this shows us that as the Prophet got older and his recitation slowed down, there was more contemplation taking place rather than focusing on completing the number of ayat, the quality of the ayat took precedence as he slowed down in his older age. And it would take so long that surahs that had more verses could have been recited during that time. And this shows us another thing as well, that something that the Prophet used to do in his sunnah and Nawafil prayers, like you have a verse about the hellfire, the Prophet would seek refuge in Allah from the hellfire or you have a verse about Jannah, then the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam would ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala for Jannah. Or if you have a verse that says, Fasabih, uh, bismi then the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam would say, Rabbi Al inside of the Salah. So we'd finish the verse, pause at that time and then say Rabbi Al or make the isti'adha or ask Allah for Jannah but only in the Sunnah and Nawafil prayers. And this is also part of the reason why Uh, Some of the sunnah and nawafil prayers took so long because the Prophet ﷺ is implementing that. Hadith 282, Aisha radiallahu anha reports that the Prophet ﷺ towards the end of his life would perform most of his prayers while sitting. These are the sunnah and nawafil prayers and not the fard prayers. The Prophet ﷺ prayed his fard prayers while standing. Uh, And this is what Ibn Hajar al-Haythami he says that when Aisha radiallahu anha says that he prayed the majority of his prayers while sitting, this is referring to the Sunnah and Nawafil prayers. 283, Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu narrated, I prayed with the Prophet two units before Dhuhr and after Dhuhr. Two units after Maghrib in his house and also two units after Isha. So now we've transitioned from al-Layl and Tahajjud. We're finished with that section. And now we're getting to the sunnah prayers pertaining to the five daily salahs. So the sunnah prayers for the five daily salahs. Now, we have the famous hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that whoever prays 10 of these raka'as will have a house in Jannah. And the other hadith saying that whoever prays 12 of these raka'as will have a house in Jannah. So now we're seeing how they're actually calculated. Now we're seeing how they're actually calculated. So Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, he's narrating to us what he saw from the Prophet Sallallahu So he didn't witness the sunnahs of Fajr because the Prophet Sallallahu would often pray those in his house. Whereas he witnessed the other prayers because the Prophet Sallallahu on occasion would pray those sunnah prayers in the masjid. So let us see what he saw from the Prophet Sallallahu He saw two rak'ahs before dhuhr, and he saw two rak'ahs after dhuhr, and then he saw two rak'ahs after maghrib, and two rakas after Isha. So how many does that make? My mathematicians that are there. If you have two before Zuhur, two after Zuhur, two after Maghrib, and two after Isha, how many rakas is that? Let's go, people, let's go. What number does that come out to? I wanna see some participation here, please, Bismillah. Two before Zuhur, two after Zuhur, two after Maghrib, two after Isha. How many rakas is that? Bint Yasin, Jazakallah Khair. Thank you so much. That is a total of eight rakahs. So we still haven't reached 10 or 12. So let us see where the 10th uh, rakah actually comes from. In the following hadith, um, which is the hadith of... Actually, no, it's not the following hadith. In a separate hadith from Hafsa radiallahu anha, she says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam, would pray two sunnas before Fajr, in which he used to recite "Qul يَا and qul هُوَ Ahad." Aisha Manzoor, Jazakallah Khair Thank you so much as well for participating. So, here we have 10. So, 2 before Fajr, 2 before Dhuhr, 2 after Dhuhr, 2 after Maghrib, 2 after Aisha, this is your 10 covered. This is your 10 covered. Abu Iqbar, Jazakallah Khair, thank you so much for participating as well. Now, where would the 12 come from? Where would the 12 come from? That's going to come later on. Um, then we have Hadith 285, Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu narrated, I memorized from the Messenger of Allah وسلم, eight units of prayer, two before the Hur, two after it, two after Maghrib, two after Isha. Hafsa related to me about the two units before Fajr, which I did not observe from the Prophet so we saw, we said that Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu anhuma, he did not see from the Prophet why? Because the other sunnahs on occasion were prayed in the masjid, whereas the sunnahs for Fajr, the Prophet Sallallahu would always pray at home. Now 286, Abdullah ibn Shaqiq asked Aisha about the optional prayers of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Alaihi She replied, he used to pray two units before and two units after Dhuhr, two units after Maghrib, two units after Isha and two units before Fajr. So now we have the hadith of Aisha that brings all 10 together. So rather than two separate hadith from Hafsa and from Abdullah ibn Umar عنه, we have these 10 raka'as of sunnah prayers related to the salawat in one hadith. And now let us see where the 12 comes from تعالى, which is the last hadith in this chapter. Aswami ibn Damar narrated, we asked Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu about the optional prayers that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa performed during the daytime. He replied, you do not have the capability to perform them. We replied, whoever from amongst us that possesses the capability will do so. Ali said, in the morning when the sun rises to the height, the same as it is at the time for Asr. At that time, he performed two units. When the sun rises in the east to a similar height as it is in the west at that time of dhuhr he performed four units. He performed four units before dhuhr and two after. Four units were performed before Asr. In between the two units of a four-unit prayer, he would sit and send and send salutations to the close angels, prophets, and those who followed them from the devoted believers and Muslims. So now we have a lot to cover in this section. So now we have some of the tabi'in. They're asking Ali Radiallahu Anhu, O Ali, inform us of the prayers that the Prophet performed during the daytime inform us of the prayers that the Prophet ﷺ performed during the daytime. And Ali radiallahu anhu, his natural response is, look, I understand you're enthusiastic and you have the zeal of wanting to pray, but trust me, you're not going to be able to keep it up. And then this tabi'i, he says, look, that is true that not all of us will be able to keep it up, but those of us that are able inform me so that at least we can try, at least we can try. And this shows us that one should, even if you can't be like the Prophet ﷺ meant, you know, it is impossible to worship Allah like the Prophet Sallallahu used to. What we learn from this zeal and enthusiasm is, at least you should try, at least you should try. So now we're talking about the morning prayers. So the Prophet Sallallahu he would start the morning with two rakahs for Salatul duha. two rakahs for Salatul duha. So these are the first two rakahs that are mentioned. Then there are four rakahs that are mentioned, and this is known as Salatul awabin. This is not confirmed and authenticated by all of the scholars, but uh, Sheikh Abdulaziz Al-Badr he mentions that this is also Salatul Awabin. Other scholars said that no, the two and the four were all the Duha prayers. The two and the four were all the Duha prayers. Now, why Salatul Awabin called that? It is called Awabin because by that time the small rocks that were in Medina they would become so hot uh, due to the temperature that they were overheated. They would, you could, they would become completely overheated. Then after that, we have before the Dhuhr prayer, the Prophet Sallallahu is praying four rakahs. And after the Dhuhr prayer, he's praying two rakahs. He's praying two rakahs. And then the Prophet Sallallahu is praying four before Asr. It's praying four before Asr. So these are all during the data. So now let's see what's related to the Salahs and what's not related to the Salahs. So the Doha prayer is a distinct separate prayer and it's actually the next chapter. So we're going to be discussing in quite a bit of detail in a few minutes within La So after the Doha prayer is done, we get to the Dhuhr prayer. And this hadith specifically mentions that Ali radiallahu anhu is mentioning that he used to pray four before Dhuhr and two after Dhuhr. So remember the hadith that mentioned 12 rakahs and you will have a house in, in paradise, then that is how you get the 12 rakahs. Two before Fajr, four before Dhuhr, two after Dhuhr, two after Maghrib, and two after Isha. And this is how you get your 12. This is how you get your 12. Now, this hadith also mentions that the Prophet ﷺ prayed four rak'ahs before Asr. Yet the scholars mention this isn't something that was done regularly by the Prophet ﷺ and was just done once in a while. So it's not actually considered a sunnah of that salah. It's not considered actually a sunnah of that salah. Now, if you look at the ending of the hadith, the ending of the hadith says that the Prophet Sallallahu would thereafter send salutations to the angels, prophets, and those who followed them from the devoted believers and the Muslims. Meaning that in these salahs, sometimes the Prophet Sallallahu would recite his tashahud and his durud sharif out loud, right? And that is how that you would know that the Prophet Sallallahu was concluding the prayer with assalamu Alaikum Wa thereafter. So he's sending salam to them. So this is what that hadith is referring to. This hadith also shows us that the prayers during the daytime, the Sunnah and nawafil prayers, they're two raqahs by two raqahs. But is this always the case? Is that always the case? And obviously you can tell by my expression, the answer is no. We're gonna find out what the exception to that is in the next chapter, which is where we have reached. So chapter number 41, قَالَ الْمُؤَلِفُ اللَّهُ وَإِيَّاهُ Babu Salat Duha, chapter the Doha prayer. And the Duha prayer is a prayer that is prayed after the sunrise but before Zawad. And on average, it is recommended that you wait about 15 to 20 minutes after sunrise and you should be done about, you know, 5 to 10 minutes before the actual Zawad. So it is a long period of time where you can pray. And the scholars of Islam they actually differed on the ruling of the Duha prayer between it being sunnah between it not being recommended and some saying that it's good to pray but not on a regular basis. Ibn al qayyim rahimahullah he concludes and this is the opinion of Ibn al-Daqiq al eid from the Shafi'i madhab that it is a sunnah and mustahab to pray the duha prayer. So let us get into that now. Mu'adha uh, narrated: I asked Aisha anha, "Did the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam pray the duha prayer?" She said, "Yes, he prayed four units." and would also increase upon that whatever Allah willed. So now, something important to understand over here. This hadith is very integral, that Aisha radiallahu anha is saying that, yes, he did pray the duha prayer. And then later on in the same chapter, we're going to have a hadith from Aisha radiallahu anha saying that, she did, that he didn't pray the Doha prayer. How do we reconcile it? How do we reconcile it? Let us do that now. The Prophet sallallahu he feared his actions would become obligatory upon the ummah. He feared that the actions would become obligatory upon the Ummah. So the Prophet would do them for some time, and it was a prolonged period of time. And then the Prophet wouldn't do them. And you wouldn't see him do it for a long period of time. And this was just so that the actions would not become obligatory upon his Ummah. And that is how we reconcile it. That yes, the Prophet prayed sometimes, and yes, he left it off sometimes. And if you remember, in yesterday's session, we also saw that when the Prophet Sallallahu was unable to pray al-Layl and Tahajjud, either he's sick or he's traveling or he's extremely fatigued, then on those days the Prophet Sallallahu used to pray the Doha prayers. On those days he used to pray the Doha prayers. Now the general ruling is that the Doha prayer should be prayed in private and not in public. So it's something that you do in the secrecy of your own home without exposing this, to the public. And this was the preferred opinion that Ibn Battal mentions that the Salaf used to hold. Um, Aisha, I will answer your question at the end. I always do questions at the end and give salams to everyone that's coming in and out and mention salams as well. So if you stick around till the end, I will answer your question. So Jazakallah Khair for asking and being patient. Um, And then we also learn from this hadith that the minimum he used to pray was for rakaz and then he would add to it what he wills. So meaning that there is no preferred number that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. But we know that the minimum he used to pray was 4. Now later on we'll come to see that the minimum is actually 2. That the minimum number of raka'as is 2 uh, raka'as for duha prayer. The preferred number is 8. The preferred number is 8. And the maximum number is 12. And the maximum number is 12. That is how the Shafi'i Madhab he split up the duha prayer. Minimum 2, recommended number 8, and maximum number of 12. However, there's a lot of flexibility in this matter as Aisha radiallahu anha said that he would add to it as he pleased. Hadith 289, Anas ibn Malik narrated the Prophet sallallahu used to pray six units as the duha prayer. And this goes back to the hadith of Ali radiallahu anhu in the previous chapter where we said that he prayed two rakahs and then the four rakahs after. Some of the scholars said it was salatul awabid, but other scholars said that no, this was the duha prayer combined and this shows us that the Prophet sometimes prayed six. Hadith 290, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Layla narrated, none had informed me that they had observed the Prophet pray the duha prayer besides Umhani radiallahu anha. She related the messenger of Allah came to my house on the day Makkah was conquered and there he performed ghusl and then prayed eight units that I did not observe him perform any prayer shorter than but he still bowed and prostrated his normal length so we see that even the prophet sallallahu is traveling and he's in the conquest of mecca then the prophet sallallahu he's praying the duha prayer at that time he's praying the duha prayer at that time we also see that the duha prayer over here is not a prolonged prayer but rather it was a short prayer the shortest that umhani has ever seen the shortest that umhani has ever seen yet he still did his ruku'ah and his sajda at the normal length, meaning with three, Subhana Rabbi al and three Subhana Rabbi al but in terms of the recitation, it was very short. Some of the scholars said that it was, قُلْ and Kullahu allahu Ahad. the length of that, the length of that. Other scholars said that what uh, Umhani anha saw was actually not the Doha prayer, was actually not the Doha prayer, but rather was the prayer of the conquest. And this is something that Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu used to do, that whenever he would go on a conquest, he would pray, he would pray, but this is a minority position, because Umm radiallahu anha, she is more knowledgeable and she explicitly mentions that he prayed the Doha prayer. Hadith 291, Abdullah ibn shaqiq narrated, I asked Aisha radiallahu anha, did the Prophet sallallahu pray the duha prayer? She replied, no. Plot twist. She replied, no, he did not perform it except when he would return from a journey. So here Aisha radiallahu anha is saying that the Prophet did not regularly perform the duha prayer except when he came back from a journey. Now here's an interesting tidbit. The Prophet forbade returning home at night. The Prophet forbade returning home at night. So if the Prophet Sallallahu is traveling and he's arrived at the outskirts of Medina at nighttime, he would actually remain in the outskirts of Medina and then return to his home in the morning. He would return to his home in the morning. And the first thing that the Prophet Sallallahu would do whenever he returned was to go to the masjid. The first thing that the Prophet Sallallahu would do when he returned home was to go to the masjid. So here we learn two sunnas. Number one, do not return home at night. And this is... Uh, with the reasoning behind that if someone is at home, they will become frightened as to who is entering that home. So if you give forewarning that, look, I'm going to be arriving home at night, don't get scared, um, then that's perfectly fine, inshallah, and it doesn't go against the sunnah. However, if you're unable to get in contact with them, and it is going to scare them, then the sunnah is to remain out and only return during the daytime and only return during the daytime. If you're out as a whole family and no one is at home, then, then you are allowed returning at home uh, altogether at night time and that does not go against the sunnah either. Number two, when one returns from the journey, the first stop that you should make is to go to the masjid as the Prophet ﷺ did. And here we see that because he's returning after Fajr, right after Fajr was the duha prayer and he would pray the duha prayer thereafter. And that is what Aisha is narrating over here. Hadith two ninety two Abu Sa'id al Khudri radiAllahu anhu narrated the Prophet sallallahu used to pray the duha prayer with such regularity that we thought he would not leave it, and then he would pray for such a lengthy then he would not pray it for such a lengthy period that he we thought he would not pray it again, and this goes back to the point that I mentioned earlier that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did this so that it would not become obligatory upon the Ummah. He was afraid that it would become obligatory upon the Ummah and that is why he did not do it regularly. And the scholars mention that after the death of the Prophet when there is no more legislation, it is now recommended to do so, that one should pray the duha prayers whenever they are able to. You should pray the duha prayers whenever you are able to. Hadith 293, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari narrated the Prophet always prayed four units when the sun passed the zenith. I said, O Messenger of Allah, you constantly pray these four units when the sun passes the zenith. The Messenger of Allah replied, the doors of the heavens open from the time the sun passes the zenith until the dhuhr prayer is performed. Hence, I like that a good deed of mine reaches the heavens at that time. I asked, is there a recital in every unit? He replied, yes. I inquired, is there a taslim in between? And he replied, no. And this was the the change that I was uh, mentioning to you before. So now, here we learn about the sunnah of zawal. The sunnah of zawal. And the sunnah of zawal are different from the dhuhr sunnah prayer. They're different from the dhuhr sunnah prayer. And here the Prophet ﷺ is praying for rakaz, for the Sunnah of Zawal. So when the Zawal time comes, and so you understand what Zawal is, is when the sun reaches the highest the highest point in the sky. As soon as the sun reaches the highest point in the sky, and it starts to descend, then the time for Dhuhr has begun. So the Prophet Sallallahu when as soon as it hits Zawal, right after Zawal, he's praying the Sunnah of Zawal. And here the Prophet Sallallahu he teaches us that You can pray the salahs either two rak'ahs by two rak'ahs or you can pray them four rak'ahs straight without sitting for tashahud in the second rak'ah. Without sitting for tashahud in the second rak'ah. So those are the two ways that the Prophet prayed his sunnah prayers either two rak'ahs by two rak'ahs or you pray four rakahs without sitting for tashahud in the second rakah, without sitting for tashahud in the second rakah. And this is what Abu Ayyub al-Ansari is narrating. Now his question about is there a recital, meaning do you recite anything after Surah Al-Fatiha? Or because the Prophet he's praying these prayers quickly, some of the Sahaba may assume that he's not reciting anything and therefore he's asking the Prophet sallallahu do you recite something? And he said yes, so you can recite whatever you like Uh, And the scholars differed. What is the minimal that is required? And they said that you are allowed reciting half of an ayah from a very long ayah as long as the meaning is intact. Meaning as long as there's a sound meaning, then you can even recite half of an ayah. But the general majority, they said, you should recite a minimal of at least one ayah. A minimal of at least one ayah. Because the Prophet ﷺ was not seen, to the best of my knowledge, reciting less than one ayah in a salah. We've seen already that the Prophet ﷺ prayed with one ayah. And uh, we have not seen, to the best of my knowledge, anything less than that. And then you can recite, obviously, more than that as well. So what do we learn? Either two rakahs by two rakahs or four rakahs without sitting for tashahud in the second rakah. And these are the sunnah of zawal, the sunnah of zawal. 294, Abu Ayyub uh, al-Ansari narrated from the Prophet a similar narration through a different route. 295, Abdullah bin Sa'ib anhu narrated the Messenger of Allah wasallam used to pray four units between the time of the sun passing the zenith and before the Dhuhr prayer. He said, the doors of the heavens open at this moment. Therefore, I like that a good deed of mine ascends at this moment. And here a contrast needs to be made, my dear brothers and sisters. And that contrast is, is that we know in the last third of the night, our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala, He descends to the lowest heaven in a manner that is befitting His majesty. We don't know how, we don't understand the how, uh, or the, the dynamics behind it, but this is what our Prophet Sallallahu informed us. And he asks, is there anyone seeking forgiveness that I may forgive them, or anyone asking that I may grant to them? And just like we have that special last third of the night, then here during the daytime, we have that special time after the Zawal, till the time of Dhuhr being prayed, that the doors of heaven are opened, the doors of Jannah are opened. And the do- deeds are raised to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And here, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is saying that while the doors of Jannah are open, I love that some of my deeds are presented to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I love that uh, some of my deeds are presented to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And this really shows us, you know, the uh, the genuine love that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has for worshiping Allah. Like I, I don't think we can you can understand it or even experience anything close to it. But at least we can appreciate it. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Messenger وسلم, loved worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much that any opportunity that he would get to present a deed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he didn't want to miss it. And that is why the Prophet would pray the Sunnah of Zawal, the Sunnah of Zawal, and these are different than the Sunnahs of Dhuhr. These are different from the Sunnahs of Dhuhr. Now let us take the last hadith of this chapter. Ali ibn Abi Talib anhu uh, used to pray four units before the prayer of Dhuhr. And he mentioned that the Messenger of Allah wasallam used to pray these four units when the sun passed the zenith, and he would make the units long in duration. He would make the units long in duration. So sometimes the Prophet would pray them short, and sometimes he would pray them long, depending upon the circumstances. So if he has other chores and other endeavors, he would pray them short. However, if he has free time, then he would spend it, Uh, in prolonging the prayer. He would spend it in prolonging the prayer. And with this, we conclude uh, chapter number 41, which was Salatul Duha. Now, let us recap the both chapters combined. We learn from the night prayer of the Prophet ﷺ is that he would sometimes pray uh, the night prayer um, right after uh, Salatul Isha. Sorry, let me start over what we learned from the the previous chapter, is that the Prophet would sleep right after Isha, and then he would wake up in the first half of the night. And then thereafter, the Prophet would continue praying till the last sixth. And thereafter, he would either sleep, and then wake up and pray the Witr prayer, or he would finish his tahajjud, pray the Witr prayer, and then sleep, till the time for Fajr came. And then he would then sleep till the time of Fajr came. So before uh, Isha, the Prophet sallallahu disliked taking a nap. After Isha, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi disliked talking and he would sleep right after till half of the night. And then he would pray till a sixth of the night was remaining. And then he would either pray his witr or sleep and then wake up and pray his witr at that time. The Prophet sallallahu was seen to pray um, 10, 12 uh, uh, rak'as and then the witr and then the witr. So meaning he's either praying 11 with the witr or 13 with the witr or 13 with the witr. And there's flexibility on that matter, and one should not be rigid uh, on the number, but should focus on the quality. The quality we saw is that the Prophet Wasallam in one raka recited Surah Al-Baqarah, another one Surah Al-I'mran, and then Nisa', uh, and then in uh, the narrator said either Al-Maida or Al-An'am. I do not remember. And another verse, narration we see that the Prophet ﷺ prayed Qiyama Layla and Tahajjud with only one, su- with one ayah. With one ayah, he just kept repeating it the whole entire night. And Ibn al-Qayyim said that that is better than reading a lot of verses that you don't understand. In fact, he says to read one verse, understand it and contemplate it is better than to read the whole entire Quran without understanding and contemplating it. And then we saw that the Prophet ﷺ uh, would also pray uh, the duha prayer. He would also pray the duha prayer. And if he missed the night prayer, either due to traveling or being sick or being fatigued, then he would make sure he would pray the duha prayer. We also see that the Prophet sallallahu towards the ending of his life, he would start off standing and then would continue praying his salah sitting and you're allowed to change the positions. And then sometimes he would pray the whole prayer sitting down as he got older and he got sick. For the average person, this does decrease your reward, but this did not decrease the reward of the Salah of the Prophet wasallam. Then we get to the duha prayer, and the duha prayer is prayed after sunrise till before zawal, the minimum being two rak'ahs the recommended being eight, the maximum being 12. And there we've learned uh, the various rulings pertaining to it, and we also learned uh, about the... Um, Sunnahs of Zawal, the Sunnahs of Zawal, which is that after Zawal comes in, but before the hor is prayed, four rakahs are prayed. And we also learned that the general ruling is that the Sunnah and Nawafal prayers are two rakahs by two rakahs, but you can also pray them uh, four straight without a tashahud in the second, without a tashahud in the second. And this was something valid. We were also introduced to Salatul Awabin, and we were also introduced to the Salah of the Conquest, both of those salahs are differed upon by the scholars, but it's good that we're introduced to them uh, and we understand that they have some sort of basis uh, in our deen. Now, this is the last class for this week, and uh, we're actually getting very close to the ending of Ramadan. SubhanAllah, how quickly it's gone by. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. Uh, and grant us Tawfiq to continue to worship him and grant us Tawfiq to, to witness Laylatul Qadr and worship him on Laylatul Qadar and make us of those that are freed uh, from the hellfire. Allahumma ameen. Uh But with that being said, um, I want to change up the pace next week. So next week we're going to be doing something a bit different. We'll be talking about the humor of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his laughing and his his joy as we get closer to Salatul Eid. So I thought that would be befitting. I thought that would be befitting that next week we change it up, that on Tuesday and Wednesday ta'ala, we'll be talking about those characteristics bi'ithni ta'ala. Um, before I forget, keep reciting Allahumma innaka afuwan tuhibbul afwa fa'afu anni in these uh, remaining nights, because we don't know for sure which one uh, Laylatul Qadr is going to be on, right? So make sure that you don't miss out on that keep praying, keep giving Sadaqah as well and try to maximize these last 10 nights. You know, I I can't express how much, um, how quickly this Ramadan went by. I know SubhanAllah we say this every Ramadan, but I don't know why, but this Ramadan for me personally, it just felt like it zoomed by. Like we started Ramadan and and here we are, you know, towards the ending. Allah al-Musta'an, Allah al-Musta'an. Now, let's go back, give people salams, and answer their questions. B'ivn Lahi Ta'ala. So we have uh Umqas Mustafa wa alaikum salam warahmtullahi wa barakatuh, Nahida Salamu walaikum salam warahmatullahi wa barakatuf Sam Namura wa iyak ahlum salan welcome, welcome, welcome. Um then we have Abu Akbar waikum salam warahmtullahi wa barakatuf, Noel Haymur waikum salam rahmatullahi wa rakatuf, shahnaz kabir walaikum salam warahmatullahi wa barakatuf. Uh, Islam promotes peace and brotherhood. Thank you so much for your kindness. Then we have Aisha Munzoor. Here's her question. How do we perform the four rakahs of Sunnah prayer before the prayer before Dhuhr uh, as two sets of two rakahs or one set of four rakahs? Uh, and we learned uh, over here that the normative case is that it's two rakahs by two rakahs, but it is also allowed as four rakahs straight without sitting for the tashahud in the second rakah. Both of those were narrated by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, both of them are, are permitted insha'Allah. If one prays four raka'as with the tashahud, that too, the salah is valid, but this is not something to the best of my knowledge that was authentically narrated from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam even though it is the opinion and the Hanafi madhab. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best. Then we have Lubna Ahmad. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We have Abu Iqbar, when is the most afdal time to perform the Doha prayer? I read somewhere that it's one hour before Dhuhr. And that is not correct. That is not correct. Um, to the best of my knowledge, there is no preferred time. There is a permitted time, which is uh, about 15 to 20 minutes after uh, sunrise till about 10 to 15 minutes before the Zawal. During that time is the time where the duha prayer is, is prayed and you can pray it time during that time. To the best of my knowledge, there is no preferred time to pray the duha prayer. Anytime during that time, it is allowed and Allah knows best. Then we have uh, Amreen Hassan, duha, sunnah of zawal and sunnah of Dohar. Two or four are three different acts of worship. How do we calculate time of sunnah of zawal if Dohar time is 1 p.m.? Excellent question. Yes, these are uh, three different prayers. These are three different prayers. So the duha prayer is after sunrise till about uh, 10-15 minutes before zawal. Then after zawal has taken place from that time till the jama'ah of duhr is prayed, then that is the sunnah of zawal. And then the sunnah of Dhuhr can be prayed any time after the adhan of duhr is made any time after the adhan of dhuhr is made. So the duha prayer is two units minimum, recommended is eight, maximum 12. The sunnah of zawal is actually four units. It is four rakahs where you do not sit in the second tasha, uh, in the second rakah for tashahud. The sunnah for dhuhr, there are four rakahs, Two units by two units. This is what we see from the Prophet. ﷺ. The scholars mention that the sunnahs for dhuhr can also be prayed as four straight without a Tashahhud in the Sakhraqah, or they can be prayed uh, four units with the tashahud. Uh, it is valid, but it was not what was narrated from the Prophet. ﷺ. Now, as for your question, how do we calculate the time for the sunnah of Zawad? So, if your calendar or your app says dhuhr starts at 1 pm, That's usually about two to three minutes after Zawal time. That's two to three minutes after Zawal time. So any time from then, till the Jama'ah of Dhuhr is prayed. Now, living in the West and living in minorities, I'm not sure where you you live, Sister Ambreen, um, but it's not always possible to pray Salah in Jama'ah. So what you want to figure out is, when does your local Masjid pray in Jama'ah? And you want to try to pray it Uh, Before that you want to try to pray it before that that is how it is calculated and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best Now what if you're praying at home and this is your follow-up question? There is no jama'ah and there is no adhan So the 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 lesson is you use your app you use your calendar and you find out right? When does the Dhuhr time actually start? So that is the time of Dhuhr prayer which is about two to three minutes after Zawal You can pray your four rak'ahs for the Zawal right after that and then you can find out wherever your local masjid is, even if you're not praying in the local masjid, what time they make the adhan and what time they do the uh, the jama'ah and you want to try to do it before then. You want to try to do it uh, before then. So you can pray your sunnahs uh, of dhuhr after the adhan is made and then um, you can pray your dhuhr fard fardh any time after that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And if even you try your best and none of what I've said is possible, if you intend to do it anytime after Zawal, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will accept it from you. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala knows we live in extraordinary circumstances, not only just because of the pandemic, but because of the fact that we live as minorities uh, in non Muslim lands. The fiqh is, is quite different than had we lived in, in the Muslim majority countries where we have access to masajid and access to the adhan and so on and so forth. So, anytime after uh, the time for duhar begins, you can pray your uh, Zawal sunnahs. You can pray your sunnahs for Dhuhr and follow it with your fourth prayer after. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more generous than we can imagine. More generous than we can imagine. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So, my dear brothers and sisters, I will conclude with this. Bidilahi Ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know give us the love of, of worshiping Allah. May Allah place it in our hearts and keep it there and grant us sincerity and grant us the the, the zeal and desire um, and the passion. Like the Prophet ﷺ had uh, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, that's something that I really took away from this chapter, is the, the deep love of worship that the Prophet ﷺ had. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa even just gives us you know, a small portion of that. Allahumma Ameen. So again, inshallah, next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, we'll be talking about the humor. Uh, of the Prophet sallallahu his laughter, his generosity, and some of the other traits uh, that he had as we get closer to Salat al Eid. Jazakum Allah khairan everyone for attending. Subhanakallahu Allahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.